a good Thursday afternoon to you and yours as we come to you live from the David Glenn Show where DG off on assignment yet again. If you've been following him on uh, Twitter, I'm guessing that you know where he is. I've lurked a time or two before on Twitter. I know where he is, but I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet. As far as who this is, Dave Nathan sitting in for DG. It's our Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. Chalk full of Carolina athletics wall to wall for the entire three hours this afternoon. Basketball, baseball, football, soccer, you name it, we've got it. And we'll start things off here momentarily with the great Eric Montross. Setting the table, as the big fella often does. Bubba Cunningham to start the second half of hour number one. Jerry Stackhouse leading off hour number two. Anson Dorrance will be by to talk all things soccer here in about 90 minutes. And then in the third hour, plenty of Carolina baseball. And we'll go in the Wayback Machine to talk some football with Natrone Means. That's what we got coming up for you on our Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. Also, a few pieces of news to get to concerning the Tar Heels. As the Carolina football team heads into its second week at camp, still looking for a quarterback. Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, and Sam Howell, all three quarterbacks, trying to get that starting nod against the South Carolina Gamecocks in a couple of Saturdays from right now. Charlotte, North Carolina. August 31st, 3.30 is when the Tar Heels take on the Gamecocks in the season opener for 2019. And a lot of folks, including the football staff, wondering who's going to take that first snap. We'll check in with all three quarterbacks. And one of the folks making that key decision, Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo, met the media earlier this week to discuss that and more. Matt Harvey in the news. In the baseball ranks, Antoine Jameson getting a new job in the NBA. And so we'll tackle all of those items coming up on the David Glenn Show. So we're waiting on Montross already, huh, Darren? Uh, yeah, that's the case. Shows off to a great start, huh? <laughs> no worries. No worries. He <laughs> always calls back. He will call back. And while we wait on uh, the big fellow to call back, what do you say we try to tackle some of these news items of the day first and foremost as we try to stay current and we try to stay local and in doing so we've got to go all the way across the country to Oakland veteran right-handed pitcher Matt Harvey has agreed to a minor league deal with the A's according to several reports Harvey's 30 years old designated for assignment last month by the Angels with whom he'd signed a one-year 11 million dollar deal before the season got started went three and five with an ERA just over seven and 12 starts for the Angels uh, this past year. Once dubbed the Dark Knight, Harvey was among baseball's most dominant starters for a time with the Mets. He started the 2013 All-Star game, but uh, elbow injury uh, has, I guess, prevented him from ever regaining that fastball that topped out around 98-99 miles per hour. So the hope is at least Matt Harvey can get things back on track with the A's after, again, being with the Mets and the Reds and the Angels, and uh, now the A's. So here's hoping Matt Harvey can get things headed in the right direction. Antoine Jamison, meanwhile, uh, you know, he's been a guest on the show before, Darren. This, this is, what, the third year we've done this Voices of Carolina show going back to 2017, I think 2018, so. I think this 2019? Is year three in a row. For it's a... the latest on the calendar we've ever done it because usually it's in June or July when <laughs> yeah. normal people take vacations. But DG with a little bit of an abnormal vacation that requires the use of an airplane or boat to get to where he's been uh, 
visiting these last several days. But um, Antoine Jamison, a one-time guest on the Voices of North Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show, has been, uh, well, he's been on the move. Spent the last two seasons as a scout for the Lakers. Played six of his 16 NBA seasons for the Wizards, who he's now with, as the director of pro personnel. Jamison is, uh, he, he's as good of a person to have in front of folks or behind the scenes, I think, as there is based on his knowledge and, and the relationships that he's made over about uh, two decades or so in professional basketball. Scored better than 20 points per game as a player, had almost nine career rebounds, two-time All-Star, and played 17 years in the NBA. That's something that even Vince Carter would say, wow, that's, that's a long career. And Vince Carter still playing in the NBA as uh, Jameson, now the uh, director of uh, personnel with the Washington Wizards. We'll talk to, uh, I'll tell you what, you go back to those mid-90s, those late-90s Carolina basketball teams, and there was a chance that you were going to have Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace and Antoine Jameson and, and Vince Carter all on the same team right up until Stackhouse and Wallace declared for the pros. And uh, we'll talk to Jerry Stackhouse here coming up in just under an hour. That topic might come up with the new head coach at Vanderbilt. We'll, uh, we'll see if, uh, if we can tackle that with the newly minted head coach of the Commodores and, of course, one of the all-time great Tar Heels, Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, while we jump from one hoop to the next, let's hit some of the, uh, the audio here from the Carolina quarterback race. Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, and Sam Howe all looking to be Carolina's starting quarterback for the opener against South Carolina in just uh, about two weeks' time. And as all three had a chance to talk things over with the media earlier this week, Cade Fortin is the first one we'll hear from so far on camp. You know, I'm really excited about the team. Uh, I think we've come a long way, um, especially from working all summer, uh, going through spring and everything. I think uh, the offense is really gelling together. Uh, I'm really fired up for everybody. The juice has been great. Um, there's been a lot of energy the past couple of days of camp, so hoping to finish strong and just carry on through into the season. How are you approaching this, this quarterback competition? You know, I'm just taking it day by day. Um, I mean, that's that's all I can do is just um, compete with myself. I mean, I know I'm, I'm competing with with Sam and Jace, um, but also just being the best player I can be. Um, that's that's what I'm striving to be every day. So that's Cade Fortin speaking earlier this week as a Carolina football camp into its second week and about two weeks away from the opener against the Gamecocks in Charlotte. One of the other quarterbacks he's in competition with again this year, it's Jace Reuter, and he also talked about how things have been going so far in fall camp. Competition uh, from the day Coach Longo got here and Coach Brown's staff. It's been day in, day out. Uh, we got three great quarterbacks that we all work hard. We all hold each other accountable. Uh, we come in every day and we just work our, work our butt off and uh, it, it's, a, it's actually great because we're all friends. That's the good thing about it. There's no bad blood. Uh, we're helping each other out, holding each other accountable and, and at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we're there for each other. So that's, that's what's great about this. Cade said he had a little anxiety about time camp started. Did you have any and has it been fun and stressful, more fun, more stressful? Um, no, this is my second training camp. So going in, you know, I think it's natural to have a little bit of anxiety, a little nervous, nervousness, just because there's a lot, of, a lot on the line, uh, given the fact that there's three of us going for the job. But it's been a blast. Uh, you know, there's not a day in here where I, I'm dead, uh, the team's dead. Like, we all come in here, and it's like a game every day. Um, and that's, that's the big difference in, in what making training camp miserable and what's getting us through it. 
So that's Jace Reuter, of course. Reuter and Fortin were on campus last year, took some snaps, and so they've got a little bit of experience. Sam Howell, who has no experience at the college level, comes in as a true freshman, one of the best quarterbacks in the country out of Monroe by way of Sun Valley High School. He's been on campus for a while. That's one of the things that he mentions here in uh, some of his first comments as Howell, the third quarterback, looking to be Carolina's starter here in 2019. Uh, you know, I've been here since January, getting reps for the team at practice, you know. We have really good defense, so, you know. I'm getting better going against them every single day, you know. Uh, we're going against the ACC defense, so, you know, it's, we practice like it's a game. So, you know, I think by the time South Carolina games here, I think I'll be ready to play. How about your strengths individually, though? Uh, I think I've come along well. Um, you know, I'm getting used to the speed of the game. When I first got here in the spring, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was, it was hard. You know, it was a lot faster, but over time, I've gotten used to the speed. Is this what you figured you were signing up for when you committed to Carolina in a three-horse race right out of the gate like this? Uh, I know where, wherever I went, I was going to have to compete. Uh, you know, to play anywhere in college football at this level, you're going to compete with other kids. So, you know, I'm, I'm right where I want to be. And on the subject of competition, uh, quarterback obviously gets the most eyeballs, but there's position competitions going on all over the place, not only at Carolina, but uh, across the country. But again, when it's a quarterback race between three guys that really haven't done it at this level, it's uh, certainly going to garner some attention. And that's one of the big plot lines currently taking place right now in Chapel Hill with that game against South Carolina getting closer and closer by the day. The Tar Heels open up ACC play in the first week of September against Miami. That'll be an 8 o'clock kick from Keenan Stadium. And uh, the ACC Network will have that one for you. It's one of the topics that we'll tackle with Bubba Cunningham coming up in a little more than 15 minutes' time. The ACC Network just about a week away from launching right now. So uh, if... If you've not gotten on board yet, if you're not sure if your cable provider has it, and there was some big news that dropped yesterday about Spectrum picking up the ACC network, there's a website that you can go to, getaccn.com, and uh, you can demand the ACC network if uh, your provider hasn't jumped on board yet with the ACC network. As far as other games coming up on the Carolina football schedule this year, a non-conference game in Winston-Salem at Wake Forest. That's a September the 13th kick at 6 o'clock before Appalachian State comes to Keenan Stadium on September the 21st. No time has been announced yet for that Appalachian State game before the Tar Heels wrap up the month of September against Clemson in uh, Chapel Hill. And then October, it'll be a gauntlet here when it comes to the level of competition and where Carolina's got to go in October at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech, and then versus Duke for homecoming. That's the only home game of the month for the Tar Heels. That's versus the Blue Devils on October the 26th. And then in November, Virginia at Pittsburgh on a Thursday, Mercer and North Carolina State in Raleigh. That is your 2019 Carolina football slate for Mac Brown's first edition of the uh, Tar Heels in his second go-around. We'll hear from one of Coach Brown's top assistants in Phil Longo, and we'll check in with Natron Means to cover some more Carolina football. Basketball with Jerry Stackhouse. Baseball with Brian Gaines and Robert Woodard. Of course, we'll tackle all things with Bubba Cunningham and some soccer with Anson Dorrance as this Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show continues after this. Dave Nathan welcoming you back to this Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. Already checked in with Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, and Sam Howell. And from football, we'll go back to basketball right now. The fashionably late Eric Montross 
joining us now from Parts Unknown. Usually Eric's got his deflector shields up when I call him anyway, but this is one of these rare times where, Eric, you were trying to take the phone call, but for whatever reason, we were going straight to voicemail. How are you, buddy? I, I feel like I'd be selling my cellular provider down the river if I told you who it was. I would just tell you that today is moving day on Carolina's campus, and I happen to be mid-dormitory. So that's where you're finding me. Well, it's always good to find you, and as we do find you here, I, I wanted to start things off a little off the beaten path, so to speak, because we're going to talk to Jerry Stackhouse at the top of the second hour, a one-time teammate of yours. And as I scroll back and look at some of the rosters that you were a part of, there look to be at least 10 players who you played with at Carolina who've gone on to coach in some form or fashion. And for as intelligent as you are and for as much as you know the game and can teach it, I'm just wondering if coaching was ever on your radar. You know, Dave, uh, I try not to take anything off the table completely, but, um, you know, it's just been, I think there's been, there are a lot of ways for guys who love the game of basketball to, uh, to keep basketball in the forefront of their lives. And for some of us, it's been coaching. For some of us, uh, we enjoy announcing games and just being around the program that where we came from. So I think it's uh, to each his own or to each her own in, in many cases for our women's program. Um, but I think that for me, this has been a good fit thus far from the broadcasting side of things. It's been a great fit for us as well. Eric, of course, the analyst on the Tar Heels Sports Network, works with the Rams Club as well, and our guest here on the Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. So you take a look at some of these guys. Hubert Davis, certainly, I'm sure you get a chance to interact with pretty regularly at Carolina, but George Lynch has been around, Scott Cherry, Dante Calabria, Rasheed Wallace locally now at the high school level, King Rice. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see these guys walking the sidelines now from their playing days, isn't it? Well, it's been fun. I mean, I think the thing that we all have in common is that uh, we've all been coached by a great coach. And regardless, uh, obviously, you have partisan uh, fans listening to your show today, which is why it's the Carolina edition. But um, so a lot of them will agree with this statement. But we've all had a great coach teach us uh, in a pretty formative years just how to play the game. And, uh, and so I think from that standpoint, we're sharing some of Coach Smith's teaching and Certainly, Coach Williams has gone on to teach his players uh, as well. Um, but it's something that, that they're doing a fine job of, and it's really fun to see your peers out teaching the game that you love. We're roughly two months away from basketball practice getting started, and these first games seem to get earlier and earlier into the first week of November. And as you take a look at the roster as it's composed right now, I'm guessing one of the challenges for Coach Williams is to mold a group of guys that's not necessarily inexperienced, but there are a lot of new faces and a lot of talent to go with that on this year's roster, right? Well, there are a lot of new faces, to be sure, but I also think that one of the things is by bringing in a couple of the grad transfers um, uh, is that you have mature players stepping into a position, not, not a literal position, but stepping in as a part of a team, and that's what they wanted to do. So it's by their choice to do that, but, but you get – a more mature player, one who is more has to understand uh, the intricacies of the college game and particularly competing at the Division One level. So you do bring in some of that. That offsets some of the, the, the standard freshman line that often we'll use on the broadcast, which is you never know really what you're going to get out of a freshman because he's a freshman. <laughs> and so um, and, and there's just that acclimation period. But 
I think that Carolina is going to have a great opportunity to bring some mature players and then some really good young players to the mix. Eric, as I walked into the studio today, there were people very curious about Carolina's presumed next point guard and Cole Anthony. I, I've not had a chance to see him play yet, and I'm not sure how much you know about him as well. But for all the curiosity that he's generated from around the state and, and around the area, certainly, what can you express about what Cole Anthony could bring to this year's bunch? Well, I think coming off of last year watching Kobe White, um, it's a little hard to think that you could see something better than Kobe and uh, because of just how impactful Kobe was and how explosive he could be on, on um, more often than not on the offensive end. And then, of course, how much fun he was and the speed with which he played and then the competitiveness that he carried onto the court. Uh, and, and that was something that I think all, all Carolina fans enjoyed watching um, was that enthusiasm for the game. That being said, uh, Coach Williams will say that, that that Cole Anthony is the best point guard that he's ever recruited. And so when you say that coming right in the shadow of Kobe White, um, that puts things into perspective coming from your head coach uh, that you may just have a real special package in store. Uh, that Kobe was um, from distance because his shot may need a little more refining, but what he does bring is just kind of the rest of the package. And that includes something that a lot of point guards don't have, which is the ability to offensive rebound. And uh, thus far early in the early through the summer, or I guess mostly through the summer right now, uh, as classes will start back up at Carolina next week, um, he has been irritating the big men because he gets inside and grabs a lot of offensive rebounds that they otherwise would have been able to put their mitts on. And so I think that we're going to see a dynamic guard, a scoring guard, uh, but just maybe not the caliber of shooter that we saw out of Kobe last year. Eric Montross talking some Carolina basketball with us on the David Glenn Show. Eric, Coach Williams often says that he schedules to the type of team that he thinks he's got. And certainly with the first game of the season as a conference game against Notre Dame, you get off to a pretty fast start and then taking on the likes of Alabama in the Bahamas, either Ohio State or Michigan, or pardon me, Iowa State or Michigan, then Ohio State, Wofford, Gonzaga, UCLA. Again, these schedules, they don't seem to be getting any easier no matter what kind of team is in Chapel Hill. That's for sure. It was also easier to his team uh, when you didn't have a lot of guys leaving early, and that's something that with this last class, I mean, of course, you had the seniors graduating, the grad transfer and Cam Johnson graduating, so you lost three just through normal matriculation of school, um, but then you lose Nasir Little and Kobe White, so you have your five start, you know, five of your six starters, uh, well, obviously you don't start six, five of your six top players um, leave. Uh, that's a pretty big hit. Um, you don't necessarily expect freshmen to leave, but uh, I think that when Coach set this schedule, he did think that he would have a very deep team. That depth is now going to rely on some of the grad transfer coming in to stabilize this young crew. And also it's going to require players like Brandon Robinson, Garrison Brooks to really step up, Leaky Black to come in, even though a sophomore year hasn't always been one that you thought you had to rely on. I think Leaky Black is an incredibly important component to this year's success if the Tar Heels will be successful. 
Eric Montross, one of the great success stories with us here on the David Glenn Show. Big fella, we'll let you get back to uh, conducting business here on a Thursday. Always good to be in touch. And uh, before you know it, we'll be opening up the ACC on November the 6th against Notre Dame. Of course, not only on the ACC network, but on the Tar Heel Sports Network as well. Yep, always enjoy working with you, Dave. Uh, you do a great job. You're doing a great job uh, as you step in for G, and it's always nice to be with you. So thanks very much. And we'll talk again real soon, I know. Okay, our pleasure. The great Eric Montross from the Tar Heel Sports Network, our guest here on this Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. And so, as we say so long to Eric, we're getting ready to say hello to Bubba Cunningham, the director of athletics over at Carolina. And then things just keep on rolling downhill with the likes of Jerry Stackhouse, Phil Longo, Anson Dorrance, Bryant Gaines, Robert Woodard, and Natron Means on this Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show continues here on a Thursday. Dave Nathan welcoming you back to business as we talk Tar Heels wall-to-wall throughout the course of our three hours on today's broadcast. A big thank you to Eric Montross for just chiming in. You heard from Carolina's three quarterbacks to start the show. And we'll now proceed back over to Chapel Hill where the director of athletics, Bubba Cunningham, joins the broadcast right now. Bubba, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Dave. Doing great and uh, really excited for uh, an academic year to start off. You can tell campus is changing by the minute with uh, more students and parents coming to campus. It's, a, it's an exciting time. I tell you what, you, you get into that first week of August and it's like the calm before the storm with the rush back to school, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, that's it's so invigorating when you see the kids coming back, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the anticipation, the kind of the anxiety of the parents. It's really... Uh, it's really a fun time on a college campus. Well, it's always fun to be on campus over at Carolina. And as we get ready to ramp things up here for football in just a few short weeks, I'm curious to know, outside of football, Bubba, as, as we get ready to start school, what do you want all Carolina fans to know about some of the other sports that are getting ready to ramp up? You know, we're excited about all the sports. You know, soccer's already here. Both, uh, both soccer's are here. Volleyball is here. Field hockey's practicing. Uh, football has been practicing. But... It's an exciting time. I think the enthusiasm is high. Mac has made a big difference in uh, in the football program. In your big programs, football, basketball, it, it really does carry the uh, the enthusiasm and excitement across the campus. So we're real excited for the fall. Um, every team that we have, as I mentioned, you know, Karen Shelton coming off an undefeated season. She's anxious to get going and see if she can repeat. Uh, I know our soccer teams with, uh, you know, the women's national team winning, having five of our players on there. Uh, seven across the entire championship. They're excited to get back here and play for the first time in the new stadium. That new soccer lacrosse stadium is absolutely spectacular. Hanson could be more pleased, nor could I. And so, you know, that's kind of the, the new things that are going on. Well, we'll talk to Anson about uh, some of those items coming up in our second hour as we talk to Bubba Cunningham right now on our Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. You talk about facilities. It seems like there's at least something new going up every other month right now over in Chapel Hill. Outside of the new ACC network facility, Bubba, is there anything else to talk about when it comes to building something on campus? Well, we're going to take a little bit of a, a deep breath right now because, you know, we built the uh, Louder Milk Center for Excellence at the end of the football stadium. And we opened that in 2011. We did some minor additions um, between 2011 and 2018. But, you know, we had some other things going on campus-wide that were distracting. And in the last couple of years, we put all of our focus back into the center of campus. 
and develop soccer lacrosse, the indoor stadium, indoor uh, facility for uh, practice fields, two outdoor fields, a track, field hockey. So it's been a very busy uh, couple of years, and now they're all open. So we need to get them open. We need to learn how to uh, schedule them to uh, have our teams get comfortable in them. And uh, then we'll look at the other facilities when we close up this uh, campaign in the next couple of years. But right now we're just going to sit back and enjoy the facilities we've just opened and really learn how, uh, how they function and fit into the university community. They are all spectacular, and uh, even though the new facility that houses the media center might not get as many pictures from the outside, Bubba, I'm looking forward to working on the inside of this, and I'm curious to know what you might be able to explain as far as the capabilities of that new media center next to the Smith Center. Well, I appreciate you asking. In fact, I was just there about a half an hour ago, and it has three incredible production facilities within the one building. It has a few sound studios. It has a, a studio where we can produce shows. Um, this is all on the first floor. And then on the second floor, we have about 40 um, desks, cubicles, if you will, for our staff. And it's an absolutely state-of-the-art facility. We'll be able to produce live broadcasts for the ACC network. We'll continue to produce all the video content for the video boards throughout all the athletic venues on, on our campus. In addition to that, our uh, video staff will produce all the videos that we push out through the website and social media channels and it really gives great visibility and exposure to all of our student athletes but being able to produce multiple events at the same time is something that will be really helpful so while we may be playing a, a soccer game on one field and have all the video content on the video board we may be at the same time broadcasting a field hockey game across the ACC network and this new building will give us the capacity to do all of those things at the same time. And when you have 28 teams, you know, we're doing everything we can to get the exposure for those student athletes that really do such a great job on and off the field. Well, the ACC network is certainly going to help Carolina from an exposure standpoint. It's going to help the entire league. And as we talk here, Bubba, one week away from the launch of this uh, network, I went back three years ago to the ACC football media days and re-listened to what John Swafford had to say about the ACC network for the first time publicly, at least, that this idea was in the works. Before that, do you remember when this idea was introduced to you, where you might have been and, and what you thought about it? You know, I have to admit, I really don't. I do not. You know, I just I remember, uh, you know, when the Big Ten launched, Longhorn Network launched the SEC, and you think about all of the incredible athletes and all the incredible teams that we've had through the Atlantic Coast Conference and think, you know, the more exposure we can give these students and highlight what they do, the better. And I was really pleased yesterday when I saw that uh, Charter Spectrum has uh, signed on, so all the Carolina fans. And, you know, that wasn't surprising to me. I mean, Everybody talked about, you know, 30 years ago when they were sitting in elementary school, they'd roll in the TVs during the ACC tournament. And instead of having class, they'd be watching the tournament. I said, well, all those people are now buying cable subscriptions for their homes and their families. Certainly we're going to have it. And I'm delighted that uh, they signed on because that, that's what it's about, is providing the exposure for those kids that work so hard. And it'll be uh, great for our fan base, great for the students, and great for their parents. You were talking about building things in facilities a moment ago, and although the ACC network isn't necessarily bricks and mortar, this was conceived out of nothingness and has been built into what you hope is a real juggernaut 
on, on TV. When it comes to the explanation from three years ago of Commissioner Swafford to where we are right now, I was struck by just how accurate three years in advance he was about the rollout of this entire process. And, and I'm sure you can really explain just how difficult all these different timelines and schedules are, whether you're building a building or building an ACC network. Yeah, you know, it has been absolutely true to form or true to the plan. And I think that's a real tribute to our partner, ESPN. You know, this they, ESPN was uh, a pioneer in subscription television back in the late 70s when they launched in 79. Then they had ESPN2, they had ESPN3, they had Classic, Deportes, you you name it. I mean, they're called the worldwide leader for a reason. And that's why we partnered with them. You know, we have been partnered with Raycom for so long, and, you know, we really had syndicated and produced an awful lot of broadcasts that a lot of the other leagues didn't have. Now this, partnering with ESPN, will really give us the ability to highlight all of our teams. And, again, we think we've partnered with the leader in the industry, and being in partnership with them will really set us up long-term. Now, you can argue that cable television or the delivery of content may change, but ESPN will figure out a way to deliver live sport content to the greatest number of consumers out there. And so we feel really good about this partnership. One week to go until the ACC network launches. Again, if you're not sure if your cable provider is on board or if you know that you're not, go to this website, getaccn.com, and demand the ACC network. Bubba, one last question about the network. There'll be a UNC all-access show featuring Coach Williams' basketball team. Most people get to see the quote-unquote finished product when they play a game and you get to see usually a bunch of wins and a bunch of championships. What are you hoping that fans get when they see how these teams are built behind the scenes? Well, I'm so excited about that show because it really will allow people to see behind the scenes. And, you know, you hear about the Carolina family and you hear some of our former players talk about it. You hear the coaches talk about it. But when you actually see it, and I'm hoping that that's what the – some of the product is that they're going to broadcast. You know, all of the former NBA players that come back here in the summer and play in the camp game, play pickup with our uh, current student athletes. Coach Williams' ability to connect with the students, with the families, for generations. And so it then culminates in, you know, the beginning of practice and then throughout the season and hopefully a big long run in the NCAA tournament, possibly a championship. But that family is so real and Roy does such a great job connecting with people and that, you know, when he has his grandchildren down there and he talks about his wife and he talks about his own kids, that's what really touches the heart of people. That's what people want to see, that it is very authentic, that you come here and you've got a relationship with Coach Williams and the basketball program for life. And it's it, it just so authentic. And I hope that really comes through in the in the show because that that was the intent we said yes we, we'd like to do that Bubba there was another picture I saw on social media earlier this week with the Carolina football program and of course you know as well as anybody that Mac Brown can work the room pretty well he's got three guys on the roster this year who have fathers who are coached by Mac Brown further enhancing what just a lifestyle Carolina athletics can be yeah yeah it's funny because you know when you know when Mac decided or not decided when he he came back after I asked him to come back and, you know, I said, Hey, we could really use the help. You know, I thought he was going to be really good and be able to connect, but I completely underestimated his ability to connect with people and to have a second generation of kids on your team. 
And he talked about that in the very first meeting. You know, he's on television. He had a nice life. He was fishing. He spent time with his grandkids. And he had something missing. He misses those relationships. He misses mentoring young coaches and young kids. And his enthusiasm and excitement personally is is so obvious when he walks in the room. And I've said it before. You know, a lot of coaches recruit because you have to because that's where you get your talent. Mac recruits because he loves to. He loves being in front of parents. He loves talking about the relationship he's going to develop with your son and how that's going to be meaningful to, to him and to you. It's very mutual for, for Mac because he does – he gets better by the interaction with the people. And um, having – and that's a real testament to him that, you know, when you have a, such a good experience, you want your own children to have that same experience or better. And now having three of his former players having kids on the team is really special. Well, Bubba, I'm sure we've all seen firsthand the amount of optimism that's around the Carolina football program right now. Still haven't played a game yet, but away from all of that, I'm curious to know from your standpoint, what factors are, are in play or in place that make you think football is headed in the right direction? Well, you know, I, I do think that he is Mac instills confidence in people, and I think he's building that confidence in his team. I think he's been doing it for 30 years, highly successful, most wins of any active coach in the Hall of Fame. So he has a track, proven track record of being successful. And, you know, the enthusiasm is high, but I also recognize that as Mac, we're undefeated right now. We hope we do that for a long time, but when you're undefeated, everything seems to be going well. And uh, it'll be a great test for us in a couple of weeks. The kids are working exceptionally hard. The coaches are enthusiastic and positive. That first home game against Miami at 8 o'clock at night, it will be absolutely electric in the stadium. And I can't wait. I don't think we've seen a game like that since I've been here. And I, I'm really excited uh, for the team to really experience the support that uh, these students and all the students on campus deserve. Well, excitement abounds this time of the year. And, uh, Bubba, always good to uh, catch up and share some time together. I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you in Charlotte here in a couple of weeks for the Tar Heels and the Gamecocks. Well, I'm looking forward to that one, too. I didn't mean to skip that game, but I do. The, the first home game is something special on every campus. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, when, when you're on campus and you hear the band playing and it's fall and the kids are all excited, that's really the start of the college year. So I, I wish the best for all of our students. Obviously, we want to have a great year athletically, but there's 30,000 students here. They're going to get a great educational experience, and we're just lucky to be a part of it. Oh, Bubba, on this side of the mic, they always want us to paint that verbal picture, and I don't think anybody's done it better than you right there. Well, I appreciate it. Dave, thanks, thanks for all you do for, uh, for Carolina. Our pleasure, and that is the Director of Athletics, Bubba Cunningham, with us on the Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show, uh, covering the ACC Network, all the different facility upgrades on campus, and uh, certainly some basketball and some football with Bubba Cunningham as well. We'll put uh, a bow on hour number one. Hard to believe it's already over just like that. And then we'll start hour number two with Jerry Stackhouse in about 15 minutes' time. So stay right there. It's Dave Nathan in for DG on this Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. The Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show continues here on a Thursday. Dave Nathan with you for the duration. In the first hour, rapidly nearing its conclusion. Having spoken with Bubba Cunningham and Eric Montross, you also heard some comments from Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, and Sam Howell all competing for Carolina's starting quarterback spot. Who's going to get that first snap against the Gamecocks? We'll know 
in just a couple of weeks' time. Next week, it's the launch of the ACC Network. And this week, we still try to continue to intertwine news of the day with all the interviews that we've got. And there is some more news on the basketball side of things concerning Bryce Johnson, who will be playing his next basketball, presumably in Italy. He's just signed on to play with uh, one of the teams in the top leagues over there. Of course, Johnson had four years at Carolina where he worked his way into being a first-team All-America, was a first-round draft pick in 2016 by the Clippers, um, bounced around a little bit in the G League after his stint in L.A., before being traded to the Pistons and then later the Grizzlies last year and uh, now off to Italy. Of course, you remember his time at Carolina, and the game that I remember more so than any was that 39.23 rebound performance against Florida State and what was a 106-90 win. Two things, well, more than two, but the two things that seem to be most impressive about those numbers, Johnson became the second player in Carolina history to score at least 39 and uh, get 23 rebounds in a game. I was flipping through the media guide as, as this was in progress, trying to figure out, okay, how rare are these numbers? Because either of these just don't happen, and they're happening in the same game right now. And you had to go all the way back to the 60s, and Billy Cunningham, for as great as he was, made a habit of these types of games. It was, it was amazing to see the types of numbers that Billy Cunningham put up in his day. But Bryce Johnson was there. Uh, I want to say it was back in January of 2016 when he registered 39-23 and 23 against Florida State. Now, the other thing that stuck out to me about that game, if you've watched any amount of ACC basketball in the Leonard Hamilton era at Florida State, it's not like FSU plays a bunch of small ball, okay? Florida State, from a physical standpoint, is about as impressive and as imposing as anybody in the ACC with multiple seven-footers, full-grown men out there, and Bryce Johnson, through all of that, 39-23 and 23 in a game against Florida State. Later on in that season, Johnson helped the Tar Heels to an ACC regular season title, an ACC tournament championship, and a spot in a national championship game. So uh, Bryce Johnson moving on to play professionally in Italy, one of the great Tar Heels, certainly of all time and uh, as good as any in the last decade or so. As, you know, the... College football's got its 150th season coming up, and there's all these lists of the best this and the best that over the last century and a half. And as we hit 2019, almost 2020, there's going to be a whole bunch of lists of the best of this past decade. And I can't believe we're getting ready to jump into the 2020s already. Uh, some people... We, we got William uh, Smith, I think, across the way in the glass, right? Our intern today. I would be willing to bet you that the phrase Y2K to a young whippersnapper like William Smith <laughs> would be like speaking Braille. We have been there. We've been there on this side of the glass before, believe me, uh, trying to explain things like Y2K mm -hmm. or maybe Mike Vick as a college football quarterback, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I I'll, I'll just nonchalantly reference and it goes right over their heads yeah it's unbelievable that, that speaking in braille reference by the way was not a slip of the tongue that was something that one of my old basketball coaches said when he got frustrated about communication <laughs> it makes no sense but it still sticks with me all those years later so uh, Bryce Johnson moving on to play in Italy in order to set the stage for our second hour because we want to keep people on board here for this Voices of Caroline edition of the David Glenn show we thought we'd start things off with a long distance call to Nashville where Jerry Stackhouse is preparing to begin his first year as the head basketball coach 
of the Commodores. Now, let me ask you this. For, for the all-decade team of the 1990s, for as good of a run as Carolina had back then, I mean, Jerry Stackhouse has got to be on that team, right? A National Player of the Year? Got to be. Got to be a member of that all-1990s no no squad. Doubt. And that's, that's a squad that's going to be tough to crack. You think about all those players and all those titles and all those great teams, that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty good uh, place where you can meet some competition right there. Jerry Stackhouse, I'm sure, will enlighten us on his time at Carolina, how pro basketball treated him, and if he thought there might be a path for him to get back into the college game or if until very recently he thought he was going to be a pro guy. Because in the NBA circles, Jerry Stackhouse's name came up more often than not as maybe the next up-and-coming coach to land a big job. And that might have been the path he was on up until Malcolm Turner, a Carolina graduate, the AD at Vanderbilt, got Jerry Stackhouse to Nashville. So we'll talk to uh, Jerry Stackhouse about that. Phil Longo, also Carolina's offensive coordinator, having to uh, try to sort out the uh, three-quarterback race between Fortin, Reuter, and Howell spoke earlier this week. We've got a few clips of Coach Longo that we'll introduce you to, as well as Anson Dorrance, longtime Carolina women's soccer coach. Bubba Cunningham told us about the new great facility that uh, Coach Dorrance and company get to play in. Might ask Anson about that new facility, as well as the beginning of the 2019 season, which is right around the corner. And uh, then it's baseball. Brian Gaines, Robert Woodard in our third hour. Natron Means back to football. It's just what we do here on a Thursday. It's Dave Nathan in for DG, and it's our Voices of Carolina edition of the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.